Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of The Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts concerning Islam. I have here, once again, uh, my friend Farhan Iqbal. And um, Farhan, we left off last time talking about the Quran and doubts that individuals may have regarding the Quran. And we kind of started a conversation on what are some of the doubts we talked about um, how to prove that the Quran is actually a book of God and that it is a perfect book. Um, one of the things that came out for me was immediately right away was how do I kind of um, tell someone or tell myself even that, you know, um, this is a book that's perhaps 1400 years old and that I should still believe in what it is. So, Farhan, what do you think about that? Yeah, Marriage, it was, uh, this is one of the really exciting discussions about the Quran. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the thing is that there are many proofs when it comes to the Quran. Why, why, is it, why do you consider it as a scholarly text? Why do we consider it as the Word of God? There are many, many things uh, that can, we can talk about. But one thing I touched upon last time, is the fact that the Quran is from God because it's a perfect book, right? And the Quran says, uh, I mean, of course, this is a claim. I'm not, I'm not making an argument here. But the, the argument comes, uh, for instance, in, 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 in a verse like chapter 17, verse 89, where God says, say, if mankind, if the, if mankind and the jinn gather together, to produce the like of this Quran, they could not produce the like thereof, right? So one proof that the Quran gives for its perfectness or for the fact that it is from God is that no one can reproduce it. And, 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 and that's true about everything that God created. Uh, whatever God has created from the Muslim perspective, it cannot be reproduced. We cannot make a copy of what God has produced. And so the Quran is saying that you will not be able to produce anything like it. And that is why it is the word of God. That part I understand. Yeah, yeah. And, and thank you for, for, for bringing that up because that actually brings up a, an idea that um, w one of our viewers had emailed us that, you know, they have a doubt. And this was great because we, we really appreciated the idea that people are bringing their doubts forward. Um, this individual um, said, is it not a subjective statement to say that the same level of perfection cannot be reproduced? Who is the judge? And what I'm gathering from that question is that um, this individual says, who's to say that it can't be reproduced and who's the judge really? So, for example, God forbid I reproduce something and I say, you know what, this is better than the Quran, God forbid. And... Who is to judge that those two things would be better? Is that not subjective? Yeah, this is a really good question. And, and I appreciate the fact that this individual has written to us. And uh, we would appreciate uh, if more of you can, can write to us about your doubts so that we can talk about it. And normally, uh, in fact, we would even like to take say their names uh, but this time we're, we're not going to do that because uh, we don't know if, if the person uh, wants us to take their name but in future if you don't want your name taken just let us know and we will not mention your name otherwise uh, we would like to mention uh, the person who's, who's writing to us or at least the city or the country from where they're writing from 
Um, so this is an excellent question that who's going to decide? You know, it reminds me of some interesting texts that have been written in Islamic history as well. There, there's an individual who wrote a book uh, without the dots. You see, Arabic language has dots. Um, and if I remember my history correctly, there's this individual who wrote a book without using any of the letters with the dots, right? And so, you know, isn't that a text that is absolute, that is perfect? The response to that is that none of those people who have written these kind of texts have claimed that nobody can reproduce it, right? When human beings make something, we never claim that nobody would be able to reproduce it, nobody would be able to produce a copy of that. The Quran says that this is the word of God and no one can reproduce it. The, the God Almighty says that regarding whatever it is that he has created. Nobody can reproduce it. How do we judge that? I think time is, is on our side here when it comes to Muslims, that it has been 1,500 years since the Quran was revealed to Prophet Muhammad. And in those 1,500 years, no one has been able to produce a copy of the Quran that is anything like it. Uh, for the for, for for 13 centuries, nobody even it attempted it. 14 centuries, nobody even attempted it. But recently, a few, I think, a couple of decades ago, um, there is a group that tried to copy it. But that was like a more like a mockery of the Quran. It's called the Furqan, right? They they wrote a book called the Furqan, and it's not really attempting to produce anything like the Quran. It's just trying to mock the Quran and trying to produce language that is similar to the Quran. But, you know, we as human beings ultimately are the judges for this. God has given us the judgment. And so you as the individual who's asking this question or other people who are listening to this podcast right now, you are the judge. You can you can take this, for instance, this attempt, the Furqan, and, and, and put the Quran next to it and compare, right? The God has given us, you see, it, we Muslims believe that we will be held accountable to God one day and God has given us the ability to judge, right? And we would be judged according to our ability to judge, right? God is not going to judge someone who is mentally ill, for instance. Um, the Islamic teachings are very clear on that. God is going to judge those who, ha who have clarity of understanding, and, and so if you have the clarity and the ability to read English and the translations of the Quran and all and study these things, then you can you can be the judge of that. So what I'm hearing is that ultimately it is a subjective experience um, yes. of um, which which book is better. Is the Quran better or is this other book that I'm trying to hold better? But at the same time, I'm also gathering that from our earlier conversations that there is an objective element because right. you can produce proofs and say, you know, that I have this many proofs to prove that this book is better than this other book. Yeah, the, the, the objective part to it, you see, Arabic is a very technical language. Um, it's it's hard to explain certain things in English, but but you have you know you have poetry you have you have Shakespearean uh, you know writings uh, you have all those things which are very powerful in meaning and everything. The Quran 
the, the way the Arabic is structured, it's poetic, it's, it, it's beautiful, it's, it sounds really good to the ear. If, you, if you're familiar with, with these languages, Arabic, right-to-left languages, Urdu and all these languages, there's a, there's a sense of poetry, there's a sense of beauty, um, uh, of the language, the way the put, words are put together. Um, the, so the, we talked last time also about this, the, the, the external qualities and the internal qualities. So the external qualities would have all these uh, things that are on the surface, right? And then there are the internal qualities. What, what, what can the Quran do? The Quran can make you a saint, right? And where's the evidence? Look at the saints that have come in the history of Islam. We have saints today that we can offer. We have, for instance, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat, Hazrat, His, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, who is a saint. Go visit him. Find out what he's like. Is he benefiting anything from the Quranic teachings? Is he a better person, morally speaking? Is he a spiritual person? Can I feel the presence of God? You see, I have met people who are not Ahmadi Muslims and they have met with the uh, Khalifa of Islam, His Holiness, Mirza Masur Ahmad, and they can feel the presence of God by just meeting him and seeing him. It's not something that, I, again, uh, it's, it's part of this is subjective, of course, but all, all I'm saying is that you can you can investigate every little detail of, of what the Quran is saying externally and internally. There are qualities there. That's really interesting yeah. because I, I, I'm now beginning to think how I can take something like this and apply it to 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 just general everyday life. Uh, so, for example, if I have a favorite book. So my favorite book, if say, is War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. Right. And you have a favorite book, which could be, um, what, what would be a book that comes to mind other well, than the Quran? <laughs> other than the Quran, I have favorite books like, for instance, there's a book written by uh, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, The Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam. I find that to be a really powerful treatment of what Islam is. Perfect. That's a great example. So if, if we were to take both those books... Of course, we, we would disagree on what book that we like more. I would say, I like this book. You would say, no, I like this book. But then when we try to say, okay, what book has made me spiritually a better person? And if I produce arguments and you produce arguments, then that way we can look at it objectively. Am I gathering Yeah, to, to some extent. I mean, ultimately, you know, some people argue that there's nothing. Yeah, there's, there's some people say that that uh, there's nothing objective really at the end of the day. Everything is subjective because it's being perceived by our minds. Whether you are a believer in God or you're a believer in Islam or you're a believer in Christianity or whatnot, ultimately it's a subjective experience. You know, people are who they are because because of their subjective experiences. Um, so it's very difficult, in fact, at the end of the day to get objective, perfectly objective about these things. But we've given some ideas. Um, and, and this gentleman asked us a question about this. And so I quoted one verse of the Quran that talks about this. And I last time in my previous in our previous discussion, we, we also said that take Surah Fatiha, the first chapter of the Holy Quran, which is seven verses, and see those and and, and compare, right? Um, and, and maybe you'll get some interesting ideas, right? I think that's a wonderful idea. And, and in that way, it goes back to, to this concept of um, the challenge that the Quran puts forward, that there is no book other than the Quran that can be like the Quran. Um, I'd like to um, 
go back to my original question that I think is quite relevant to to, to the current times. So it's 2017. Um, the Quran um, was finished being revealed um, in what year? The Quran was being revealed up to the end of the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So he died in 632 AD. So um, uh, he was born in 570 AD. So the Quran started to be revealed when he was 40 years old. So that's that's 610 AD. So from 610 AD to 632 AD is when the Quran was revealed, about 22 and a half years. So that brings up my doubt is why should I really invest or believe in a book that is from that era when it's now 2017? W wouldn't someone be able to say that, you know, your your book is quite outdated? Yeah, th that's that's another claim that uh, that needs to be defined, I think, and then explored. I think you you take your claim. Oh, the Quran is old. I don't need it. Well, why don't you need it? Well, I I, I have my own moral code. I, I can live my life. I I, I know I, I have to speak the truth. I know I, I need to be good to people, reciprocity and other moral qualities that, you know, a lot of uh, philosopher, philosophers have talked about these things. So you take your moral code, whatever you have learned in your life, and you see whether the Quran can offer anything better or not. I mean, you can make a comparison. I mean, take reciprocity and see if the Quran has something better than that. And, and I, you know, I've just mentioned reciprocity, but just take that example. And I know some verses of the Quran, which are exponentially better than that. I mean, that moral code, uh, it's 10 times better. And we can talk about that maybe in a future episode um, about why the Quran is better in, in its teachings about re reciprocity. I think that's a, a great direction to, to take our, our next discussion. Um, we have about uh, just two minutes remaining. And really quickly, I want to get to this one last point regarding the Quran. Um, many people have, um, and do let me know if this is something that could be answered in about two minutes or we can continue yeah, this yeah. conversation. Um, the Quran was was being revealed to the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam peace and blessings be upon him. And nobody really was writing it down or gathering it together at that time. Or people were writing it down, but the compilation occurred much later. Um, who, what's to say or who's to say that that compilation is correct? Or who's to say that that compilation is, is the way that the Holy Prophet had intended or that God had even intended? So a little bit more, um, I guess, information regarding this compilation process yeah this is a big question i think we can we can start our next episode uh about this and 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 i can take a few minutes to explain how the compilation happened um of course it, it didn't happen overnight the quran itself was being revealed right up to the death of prophet muhammad um nobody knew when the prophet muhammad is going to die and when it happened in fact it was a shock to a lot of the companions. They didn't even want to accept it. Even really big names like Umar, right? Very big, prominent pro companion of the Prophet. Um, he, he didn't even accept it. He's like, Prophet Muhammad is not dead. He, he went to heaven. He's going to come back soon. And so 
that was a very trying time. It was a big trial for the Muslim community, young Muslim community. And, and, and so that is a time, in fact, when the Muslims first thought that now we're not going to get any new revelations about the Quran. So how do we move forward? Um, and so that is an ex area to explore. I think next time we can talk about that a little, a little bit more in depth. But if you could sum it up in just about one or two sentences of um, for the satisfaction yeah. of someone that might have sparked curiosity. So the Quran was revealed to Prophet Muhammad in a period of 23 years and immediately it was memorized. Every day, whatever verses was, were, were revealed, they were memorized by the companions of Prophet Muhammad and there were some assigned scribes who wrote down each revelation. So this was happening during the time of Prophet Muhammad. Perfect. Um, well, I guess I'm looking forward to continuing this discussion forward. Um, once again, this was the Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts concerning Islam.